Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child, no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. I'm Sora, and welcome to the Mindful Mama Podcast. You're listening to the Mindful Mama Podcast, Episode 94, Five Steps to Equanimity. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you're thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls ages 7 and 10. Thank you so much for being here today, my friend. This is a special solo episode, and I was thinking about this, um, these things as I came away from my holiday, visiting my family, and... It was having some really beautiful times and some challenging moments, you know, as it as it is with family. And I was just really feeling this from the heart, so I wanted to share this with you. And so we're going to be talking about five steps to equanimity. And, um, you know, it might be helpful, I guess, to sort of define equanimity. And I think of it as, I think of it as a, a sense of being able to have a sense of evenness, as you move through the inevitable ups and downs of life. Um, But it's defined as mental calmness, composure, evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. So we have this long drive. Uh, We drive from 
from Rhode Island down to Delaware, we drive through some of the <laughs> most congested areas of the country, New York City area, uh, et cetera, New Jersey Turnpike. So anyway, or we were driving home uh, just a few days ago, and uh, we were, it's a long drive, you know, it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so it's this long drive, and it can take, you know, it takes generally all day. And, and we had started in the morning and we had this beautiful stop. I have to tell you, we had this gorgeous stop uh, in Connecticut where we even found a, uh, uh, a, a stone yoga, yoga dude <laughs> doing tree pose by the water. It was really beautiful, beautiful stop. So we, it wasn't a bad drive, but by the end, you're totally beat. And we had gotten to the place where we're, you know, we're normally within 20 minutes of home and there's complete congestion on this bridge. So it's like, oh, and I was driving and I'd already been driving for a while and I was really tired, really done. And um, there was this incredible sunset. There was this incredible sunset just to my left. The sky was pink and amazing clouds, the sun just hitting these clouds. I mean, it was incredible. And we were tired. My kids were rammy. We had had this long, long drive home. And I was totally feeling done. And so and I think about this moment because here I am stopped in traffic uh, it's a pretty industrial area near the bridge, and yet there's this incredible beauty, and it just seems to me that it's such a, it's like everything in life, right? Like we can, there's this beauty that we can see, that we can focus on, or we can focus on what we are miserable about, and and that's, it's much easier to focus on what we're miserable about. That's just kind of how evolution has, has primed us. But there was also this beauty. So I <clears throat> I asked the family to stop our podcast, stop our distraction, and just take a moment to acknowledge and see the beauty. And so I'll I'll put a, a photograph in. You know, we took a we took a picture. Um, but really it was about like, let's just acknowledge that this is this incredible miracle of the universe that is happening right here, right now, in the midst of we are tired. We are done. We have been in the car too long and we are ready to go out and we are stuck in traffic. You know, it was both. It was both at the same time. So we stopped, the, turned off the podcast for a moment, for, breathed, looked. And this is a practice, right? This is an intention. This is uh, a deliberate practice that we have to make because it's much easier to just follow our misery. So I wanted to start out with this story because the sunset over the bridge was just kind of like a, such a sweet example of what I had been feeling. And I had been feeling um, a little like when the start of the drive, at the end of my trip, I'd been feeling a little anxious and a little low um, because of interactions with a family member. And uh, and I love him so, so much. And his suffering has been a big teacher for me over the years and really continues to be, absolutely. And um, what I saw was that I was in this place where I was feeling 
like sad because I love my family. I have a great time with my brother and, you know, but at the same time there was, I was feeling some anxiousness, a little feeling a little low, feeling some negativity. And, and I'm sharing this with you because, you know, sometimes people think, oh, the mindful mama mentor, you know, Hunter is always perfectly calm and happy and everything. And really, I'm not, no one is. And I want to share this with you because when we're in this feeling, it's okay to feel this feeling, right? It's okay to feel the sad, the hurt, and the low. And that was there, you know? So I cried a little while driving away, while talking with my husband about, you know, some things that had happened and how I felt. And I allowed myself to feel sad. You know, I allowed myself to feel this sort of grief. And the the difference for me after years of meditation is that, well, there's two big differences I can identify. And one is that I don't think this feeling is forever. Whatever um, feeling, the negative feeling I'm having, I don't, I don't think it's forever anymore. I don't think, oh, I'm always going to be this way and life is always going to be this way. And instead I just feel the feeling, you know, I just, I'm in it. I'm not trying to fix it. I'm not trying to get out of it right away. You know, part of maybe part of me, but generally I'm not, but I'm the big difference is I don't feel like this feeling is forever. And also I don't, the other big difference is I don't think it's my fault and I don't think what's wrong with me that I'm feeling this feeling, right? These are the, the sort of two second arrows we, we shoot this idea that this is permanent. It's going to be there forever and that there's something wrong with me for having this feeling. Um, and I, the thing, I, and I think we can put it this way, like, right, I don't, um, I don't fight, I don't fight with the reality anymore. And that's the beauty of acceptance, right? People think acceptance and the idea of acceptance and surrender is such a bad thing. Like, I don't want to surrender. I don't want to accept that something is the way it is because that means I'm condoning and I'm saying it's, this is what I want in life. And that's not true. Really. It's like acceptance and surrender. Surrendering at that moment for me was the surrender of feeling sad, feeling anxious, feeling a little low. Um, was just accepting that that's reality, right? And so I, the, it's the mindfulness practice and the meditation over the years helps me to stop fighting with reality. And <clears throat> it also, the, the difference after years of meditation is that I'm able to interrupt uh, the stories and thoughts that lead into despair. Like, you know, like I said, like, it's always going to be like this, um, you know, and I've interrupted that, those thoughts and stories so many times now. I'm really well practiced in interrupting those thoughts and stories many, many, many times. So what's beautiful is about that is that because I've practiced again and again and again, this interrupting those, the, that, those thoughts, it really becomes much easier to let it go, right? So, uh, a, I'm accepting reality. I'm, I don't feel like this feeling is like is forever. And then um, B, I'm able to let it go because I've practiced interrupting those thoughts. And the whole idea um, of letting go is that it doesn't happen immediately. 
And that's, we want, sometimes we want that, right? We want to just bypass the negativity. We want to bypass our shadow. We want to just feel good all the time. Of course we do. Of course we do. We're human. You know, I want to too. Uh, but our feelings, you know, it's kind of like uh, the weather. And uh, you think of it as brain weather, right? And it's a feeling that comes and it stays for a while, right? And we can cultivate the conditions for happiness. Uh, but, you know, sometimes a feeling comes, like sometimes some anxiety comes, some sadness comes, some things come. And so, but the, the thing is, the more we fight with it, <laughs> the resistance, right? The more we fight with the reality that this is the feeling, then the more it kind of hangs on. It doesn't have the space and the freedom to let go. And the same thing with the grasping, right? The more we have resistance, the more we have grasping, the more we suffer. It's really our resistance and our grasping that allows us to suffer. So in that moment, like I felt that sadness and, you know, I just cried a little and that felt good. It was a release. It's wonderful. It feels great to cry because it just releases things. You can feel this release. It's funny because I was driving the car at the same time, but I was still able to feel this release. Um, and you, you know, it's, it's about letting, you know, letting that weather pass. So we can cultivate the conditions for happiness and we can cultivate the conditions also as we can cultivate the conditions for happiness, but we don't necessarily, can't necessarily kind of flip a switch and make ourselves happy, boom. We can also cultivate the conditions for feeling overwhelmed, anxious, and feeling badly, right? And I think this is where we have to have a lot of self-awareness because this is where our power is, is that we can cultivate the conditions. And many of us are unconsciously cultivating the conditions for unhappiness, right? We don't we don't even know that we're cultivating conditions for unhappiness. Like my family member, you know, we develop these um, unconscious strategies for dealing with the pain and difficulty in life, mostly, I think, when we're young. And for my family member, that strategy was defensiveness and escaping. <laughs> Pretty standard, right? Fight or flight. That's our stress response, fight or flight or freeze. And um, defensiveness the way I saw it, uh, the way I experienced um, his suffering um, on my, in my, on my trip was uh, he would go on the attack when an uncomfortable feeling would arise. And this strategy is so hurtful. It really, it's it's a strategy that's aim that comes out of um, it's a strategy you know that maybe we learn as children. We learn to hurt others because others are hurting us, right? Um, but it's so hurtful and it, it's hurtful for me to watch. And we often see this in our children too, right? I see this in my children is like, I'm feeling badly. I'm having an uncomfortable feeling. So I want to make you feel badly, right? This is kind of this, uh, knee jerk, really sort of lower evolved kind of feeling, right? That we don't, before we've really tapped into the, prefrontal cortex, um, empathetic, thoughtful response. Um, and it's hard to remember, right, in that moment, if you see someone acting defensively, uh, that this, that 
any moment that somebody is acting badly, they are feeling badly, whether it's uh, our, our older family members or it's our kids. It's really hard in that moment to see that because it's hard to um, either you may, might feel hurt yourself or to see someone else feeling hurt. And f- what comes up for us immediately is, is judgment. And so it's hard to remember that that person is whatever, whenever somebody's acting badly, they're feeling badly. And it's really, really hard to remember that. And it might take some days to remember that. It might take some perspective. It might take some time to sort of slow down and and think about or go for a walk and just kind of process or talk to somebody, process the experience. And that, that for me helps a lot is to just talk to mostly my husband and and that process it through talking helps me understand that, oh, yes, you know, that person is suffering and, it, and that suffering caused a ripple effect of, effect of suffering, right? It's so um, sad. And the other strategy, so there's defensiveness. Um, and these are strategies for dealing with the pain and difficulty of life. And the other strategy is that fight, flight, I mean, flight escapism. And I'm going to include some numbing in here, right? So this can include physical flight, uh, like getting out of there, or it can include uh, drinking, smoking pot, maybe a lot of Facebook or TV or shopping, right? These are things that we do to escape and to run away from the pain and difficulty of life. And the thing is about escaping, you know, we all do this to some degree. I absolutely do this by escaping into a good book. I had my friend come over on Saturday night and we watched three episodes of Outlander. (laughs) You know, it was like great escapism and it felt great. It was wonderful, you know, but it's about... um, It's about a balance, right? I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. 
My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. We don't want to always be escaping our feelings. We don't want to always be uh, running away from things or else we never learn to deal with things, right? If we never can sit with an uncomfortable feeling, we never learn how to do that. And that's an incredibly important skill in life uh, to help us be with everything. Because the thing is, if we numb, the problem with like escaping and numbing is that we, we numb the good feelings as well as the bad feelings. We escape the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. You know, we can't just selectively do it. So we unfortunately, you know, when we escape and when we numb and do things like that, we are, we are also making ourselves not present for the beauty and the joy in life. And so we also unconsciously create the conditions for unhappiness for, with our thoughts, right? And this is why mindfulness and meditation is so, so foundational where it helps us to, as we practice, you know, we sit and we notice our distraction, we notice our fidgetiness, we notice feelings arise, we might sit with irritability, we might sit with impatience or sleepiness, all kinds of things will come up in meditation. You think it looks so peaceful, but honestly, there's a lot of stuff that comes up. And then what happens is that stuff comes up and we notice it and we stay non-reactive. That is the practice. We stay non-reactive. We stay objective. We become have more awareness. We start to see and notice what's really going on for us, right? And as we sit with that stuff, we also can, we sit and we're aware of what is the new thing coming in. We sit, It's a letting go of resistance to it, right? This is how we let go of resistance as we practice. We have to practice intentionally. And mindfulness and meditation is so foundational because it gives us a distance and an objectivity and really a basic awareness of our thoughts. And as we become more present and more aware of the harmful thoughts that many of us are just unconsciously uh, practicing, right? We're unconsciously sort of sitting in a world of harmful thoughts, but our mindfulness practice and meditation practice, it's really wonderful in fact, to become aware of your harmful thoughts because then you have the option to interrupt that pattern. If you're not aware of it, you can't interrupt the pattern. And so that practice, that mindfulness meditation practice is so important because it gives us, it's like, it's like going to the gym. It gives us reps with noticing and becoming aware of our thoughts and, and interrupting that pattern. Oh, hello. Hello, anxiety. I see you there. Hello, worry. Ah, hello, old friend. (laughs) I see you there. Let me come back to what is real right now. I'm feeling my breath. I'm feeling my body coming back again and again to what is real. Rather than getting pulled and lost down the rabbit hole, we interrupt the thought and we come back to what's real. And when we are aware, when we are unaware of our thoughts, we completely live inside this this unconscious story we're telling. And so we believe the harmful thoughts and we repeat them again and again and again, like a negative affirmation. And so sometimes it can be hard when you first start your mindfulness meditation practice because you're like, oh my gosh, my brain is crazy. I don't know. I thought it, you know, had all these thoughts. But the thing is, is like, 
to become aware of it is a power because then we start to see, oh, look at this is the story I'm telling myself. And I wonder if you really listen, if you really start to pay attention, you start to look at your thoughts, what is the story that you live in about yourself, right? Because we live, you know, human beings, we live in in stories. That's why stories are so powerful for us. Is that we live in in the stories that we tell ourselves again and again about who we are and what we can do and what is possible and who this person is and things like that. And so as we start to interrupt these stories, we can start to be curious about, well, what really is here? What really is possible? You know, and and actually because uh, you know, we are thinking machines, right? We live inside this world of stories. And the, in fact, the traditional goal of Buddhist meditation is to free ourselves from these stories, right? To free ourselves of the suffering that we inflict upon ourselves with our harmful stories. To see that, oh, look, I am giving myself suffering by saying that I'm not good enough. I am t- giving myself suffering by saying that uh, that I can't do this or whatever it is. All these thoughts that kind of, you know, they kind of, they're like uh, that brain weather, right? And so to f- that can be the practice is seeing the stories and interrupting it, right? Interrupting that pattern. Maybe I want to choose a new story. Yeah, eventually we get to that point, right? Eventually we can get to that point where not only can we interrupt the negative pattern, but we can start to even choose what is the story I want to tell about myself. And that is an enormous, wonderful power. It's great. And yet sometimes there's, you know, sometimes the thing is there's very little we can do about our external conditions, right? Sometimes we're in a room with a person who's a grumpy curmudgeon who is picking on people (laughs) and it feels crappy, You know, sometimes we're in a car stuck in traffic for hours and hours and hours, right? And so sometimes there's very little we can do about these external circumstances. I mean, that's been, you know, that's the strategy for so many people is like, oh, well, well, I'll create my external circumstances of comfort so then I never have to suffer. But the truth is suffering will happen. Uncomfortable external circumstances will happen. And sometimes there's not very much we can do about it. Sometimes there's just not. But the thing we can do something about is coming back to our internal circumstances, right? We can train our minds. And we can start to train our minds to be more helpful (laughs) to interrupt those patterns. So five steps to equanimity. Five steps to equanimity. Number one, practice meditation regularly. And this is so, so foundational. I mean, because it just helps us to see those thoughts, right? Do we need that time and that space, that intentional time to stop doing and to just start being, right? And sometimes maybe your practice of meditation will be a walking meditation or a hiking meditation, or you'll find your way into it that feels good for you. Um, You know, for me, it was running for a long time was without headphones or walking without headphones was a way for me to find my way into a, a meditation practice. But I invite you to practice meditation regularly. And if you can, sitting meditation is really the gold standard. You just sit and you sit without reactivity with what is going on. 
you start to understand, become aware of what is the story you live in. What are the feelings? What are the thoughts? How can I, how can I remain aware? How can I remain aware in this moment? And the thing about meditation is there is the goal is not to clear your mind. The mind will continually think. Really, the goal is about your training instead, your relationship to your thoughts, right? How do you respond to these thoughts? Do you, does it trigger another thought that's similar or worse and you go down a rabbit hole? Or can you interrupt that thought and say, oh, isn't that interesting, you know? And, and really it's about our relationship to what we experience. Maybe in our meditation we experience anxiousness and irritability and sleepiness. And if we've <clears throat> related to those that anxiousness, irritability, and sleepiness with a sense of curiosity, a sense of friendliness, a sense of, isn't that interesting? Rather than judgment, that is a successful meditation. As I was driving home, <clears throat> we were, I think, going over the Tappan Zee Bridge as we were listening the girls. Um, they had fallen asleep in the backyard because <laughs> Bill and I put on uh, podcast. I'll give out a, a plug to um, the Sharon Salzberg podcast on the Tim Ferriss show. Really, really good. Um, and she talked about how she had been in uh, a talk just the night before and, and, and talking about the neuroscience of meditation that it seems like nine minutes may be a, a good sort of minimum dose, minimum effective dose of meditation. But really the thing is about meditation is daily. It's continuing that daily, daily practice. If you have three minutes, you do three minutes. If you have 15 minutes, do 15 minutes. You know, go to mindfulmamamentor.com and grab some of those free meditations I have. You know, give yourself some support and some practice. But practice meditation regularly so that you can become aware of the thoughts and you can start to develop that equanimity, that... Um, evenness, especially in difficult situations. Number two, cultivate the conditions for happiness. So be conscious about this. Be intentional. Um, practice gratitude. Make sure you have times in real life with your real friends, you know, regularly. Uh, go out in nature. Give yourself some spaciousness. Cultivate the conditions. And, and it might be reading something inspirational each day. Um, Read uh, Peace of Mind by Thich Nhat Hanh. I love that. So cultivate the conditions for happiness. Be uh, conscious about cultivating the conditions for happiness. Number three, notice your thoughts and feelings with curiosity. And this is the idea of allowing yourself to be curious about what you experience because, you know, you may, judgment might come up, how could I think this thought? But really the thoughts that are of anyone or of us. Like we all have the good, the bad, the ugly. Like it's all in us. It's a brave practice for that reason. We have to not be afraid of, uh, or not, not not be afraid, but we have to know that we might see ugliness in us. It's in us. And to accept that with curiosity, without judgment, to accept all of ourselves, this is an incredible life-changing practice, and I really wish it for you. Number four, interrupt the thoughts that aren't helpful. So you're just going to interrupt the thoughts. Oh, look at that. Judgment there, self-judgment. Oh, isn't that 
Isn't that interesting? Okay, there was self-judgment. And as soon as you interrupt it, interrupt it, you are you're breaking that pattern. You're breaking that habit because you've stopped yourself from going down deeper in the rabbit hole. So just interrupting the pattern, labeling the thought gives us so much freedom. It really, really does because it really steps you, it's in steps you a little, one step away from it. So interrupt it, label it. Oh, look, there's judgment. Oh, look, there's planning. Oh, look, there's anger. Interrupt the thoughts that are harmful. And, and you can then, um, you know, maybe you're then in a feeling, right? So this fifth step for equanimity is to, number five is to rest in the feeling, to feel it fully, to give it some space. And to feel it fully, I think that what is really, really helpful is to actually just feel it, the physical sensations of the feeling. We live our lives through our five senses. Everything we know, we know through our five senses in some way, through hearing or touch or, or, or um, sight or sound, right? So allow yourself to go into your body. Where do you feel the feeling in the body? Really notice what the feeling is like in reality and through the five senses. Give it some space. Rest in the feeling. And then we just repeat. So we come back, right? And when we give it space, then we can practice to let it go a little more easily, right? But I invite you not to hurry. Sometimes your feeling needs more time. Sometimes it doesn't need so much. Sometimes it just needs some labeling. But then you come back. Practice meditation regularly. Cultivate the conditions for happiness. And then notice the thoughts and feelings with curiosity. Interrupt the ones that aren't helpful. And then if you have the feeling, rest in the feeling. Feel it fully. Give it some space. And that might be beautiful joy, right? Was when you open yourself up to feeling the feeling fully. You also open yourself up to feeling awe and joy and wonder. When was the last time you felt awe and joy and wonder? You know, are you too busy? Are you distracting yourself so that you don't feel your feelings? Instead, allow yourself to the space to rest in those feelings. All right, so this is my little sharing for today, just giving you my thoughts about, you know, what happened for me over my uh, Thanksgiving break. Um, and and how the how I had it cultivated in me these feelings of feeling low and anxious and sad a bit, and you know I had to be in that feeling for a little while. Had to I had to feel it for a little bit, and without resisting it, I eventually was able to you know let that go and come back home and cultivate the conditions for happiness again. Come back to my regular meditation practice. Uh, come back to my home, come back to my <laughs> my vitamin D and cod liver oil and going for a run and those things that really uh, create the conditions for happiness for me. And my gratitude practice. I write down five things I'm grateful for every night. So I hope this episode has helped you today, my friend. If it has, I would really appreciate your feedback. I Right now I'm 
would like to have your voice on the 100th episode, which is coming up soon. And if you go to mindfulmamapodcast.com, you'll see a little picture of the podcast. And maybe I can try to make it a button so it's more obvious. But there's in red, it says, please click here to leave your questions and feedback. And when you click there, there's a place where you can just go start recording. So please, I invite you to do that. So coming up, we have some exciting things. I'll be talking with Carla about the holidays. Um, We'll be talking uh, to John Roman, uh, some exciting stuff. So thank you so, so much for being here, um, for listening, for sharing this time with me. I really hope it has helped you to water your good seeds. And I'm, I'm wishing you peace. I'm wishing you equanimity. Have a great week. Namaste. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.